Welcome to the knock-on, KCLR and Scoreline.ie's weekly rugby podcast. In this episode, myself and former Leinster captain Chris Pym talk about lots, including the Lions lost to the Springboks in the final test, what players stood out in the final game, should Warren Gatland be on the Lions coach the next time or is it time for a change, lack of interest in this Lions tour, should the competition be scrapped, the Irish rugby team's busy calendar. We discussed that, including four games against the All Blacks over the next year. What positions on the Ireland team need nailing down by management? And the Colm O'Shea Cup, a new junior pre-season tournament for Carlo, Kilkenny and Tullow Clubs. Now Chris Pym joins us this week. Johnny Tobin, the irony of it, as I keep saying, is busy with uh, training with rugby and uh, teaching rugby and everything as well. So we'll uh, we'll catch up with Johnny Tobin next week. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, so the weekend, but sure, yeah. from a rugby point of view, but yeah, it was a very disappointing weekend. It sort of it just went out with a whimper. Um, Bit of excitement in that match as well. I suppose we'll get, we'll get crack and we'll go straight into it as well. The last match has been billed as the big one. We sort of let it behind us in a very underwhelming second game. Um, Springboks beat us. But there was a bit more promise coming into this one. And even for the first half, uh, we were teased. Definitely. I mean, the whole... Well, the single one thing that incident, I think, to change the tour was uh, Dan Bigger's injury and Finn Russell coming on. He completely changed the momentum of the game. He completely changed the atmosphere of the game. I just thought he was absolutely excellent and played running rugby on the basis that that was all he knew how to do sort of thing. And I think the I thought the Lions played really, really good rugby for you know, certainly 60 minutes and we're right in the game. But, and only because Russell was working his magic and it does leave you a little bit regretful of, of what might have been because they certainly rattled the uh, the South Africans and I, took, I thought um, Russell looked extremely creative. And then alongside him, uh, I thought Henshaw was absolutely superb as well. So, I think the injury was possibly the best thing that happened to the tour because um, I thought it, ch- it completely changed the game. So, yeah, look, it was obviously the game petered out a little bit and we were disappointing at the end. And, you know, I know he sent me a text message saying, oh, should have taken our kicks, should have taken our kicks. But, you know, they did have momentum and, you know, we are going for the tour win. I think oh, I'd, I'd, no, I'd have no qualms with them. With them taking the line outs, but um, yeah, look, you can always make the case for them. They should have taken the first couple of kicks and maybe built built yeah. a bit of a lead. But look, yeah, it's easy to be wise after if they scored off it, they would have been the greatest of all time. So yeah, look, that was disappointing. But yeah, look, I think single handedly, yeah, Finn Russell injected a bit of life back into the tour because they certainly the line started the very same way that they started the other games, which was basically to kick the ball in the air and take their chances. And um, I felt Russell um, was superb and certainly was the difference on the day between Test 2 and Test 3. 
Yeah, um, exactly, Chris. Um, the line started off, like you said, in the same format as before with this kicking game and with just carry, trying to carry the ball against the box, but they were getting absolutely nowhere for the first 10, 20 minutes. And I said to myself, Jesus, it's going to be a long night. Like, But as soon as Russell came on, he started moving the ball the way we would have expected skip a man out you know skip a fella out to pass on the right or left hand side but Bundyaki came into the game um you know Robbie Henshaw came into the game um, even a couple of the forwards were put through into space and like we were making up serious ground and there was a huge amount of momentum off what Russell was doing and you're looking at, at it going why haven't we been doing this all the time exactly so it can it's, be done and uh, I think this uh, Warren Ball, as it was called, um, I think because it's had its time, and I think the game of rugby desperately needs needs the Finn Russells of this world, and I would be extremely surprised uh, surprised if Warren gets another spin at doing another tour. I think he's had his time; he's been extremely successful. But uh, yeah, look, he needs to go. We need a fresh view, and. Um, I, you know, as everyone said after game two and game, certainly game one and game two, that the game of rugby was on life support given the way it was being played by those two teams. Now, the South Africans are unlikely to change given it's been incredibly successful for them. But I think there's an onus on everybody else and on certainly on the Lions to um, play more rugby than they certainly tried to in the first two tests. So I think... Russell has proven that it can be done. Um, and But for Liam Williams not putting Adams in in the corner there on the 22, we'd have been very comfortably well up at halftime. Yeah. And, you know, that was just absolute the criminal moment of the tour, I'd say, not giving that pass because he was, he was straight in under the sticks. Yeah, time. Just completely changed the game. Yeah, no, absolutely, and he had time to get it, get it off as well. Um, Finn, even over the kicking tee, was much more assured, splitting the post every time as well than Bigger. Um, Bigger had a few shaky moments. He missed a penalty earlier in that game as well. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. Uh, I, I felt, Chris, though, and I know I texted that night as well, um, I couldn't believe they went to the corner so much and persistently. Um, yes, you know they got they got a try of um, one of them, um, and that mall looked to be dangerous as well. I could see what they were trying to do as well. But there comes a stage where you sort of and they've said it themselves in preseason interviews. You have to take your scores against South Africa and then try and close out the game or work on the game after that and do that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. It, you know they were a bit too brave on the night. I think. Um, you know, trying yeah, that same yeah, thing over and over. Yes, because yeah, you just get wrapped up in the whole thing as well, and you know, maybe a bit of calm leadership or something at that stage might have been might have been better. But look, yeah, I've I've no regrets. You know, it's not like at the end of the day, it's it's entertainment, it's a sport, and it's uh, you know they were trying to do the best by the game. I think so. Yeah, look, I don't I have no qualms against decisions that were made, but. Yeah, look, they lost the tour and they have to live with that. But um, who's to say another three points here or there would have actually made any difference? It looks like that on the scoreboard, but sure. And, you know, a draw would have been no good to anybody. So, um, yeah, sure, look, it is what it is. What, what a day for Marnie staying. Yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could Marnie's you believe it? Like... Johnny Sexton would have been delighted to see that. 
Yeah. So there's still room for 37 year olds in the game. So yeah, it's um, yeah. No, look, it was almost written in the stars, wasn't it? As soon as the team sheet was announced. So and lo and behold, there he goes. Yeah. I told you we should have flown out Johnny for the last test. Um, <laughs> well, mind you, then Finn Russell might have played. So who knows? That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah. yeah, so what did you make of the box performance on the night? Was it a step up from the second test or was it more no, the same? I actually, well, I thought the Lions were an awful lot better. Um, mm -hmm. And I think really the amount of opportunities the Lions had to win the game and they really should have had the game dead and buried. So from that perspective, I wouldn't have said it was any better performance. If anything, I would have said the second test was a better performance by South Africa. But, you know, they were without Detroit, they were without the clerk, um, you know, two of their totem players. So, yeah, I suppose, given that, that they'd certainly be happy with the result, that's for sure. The ref had a great game, I thought. Yeah, ref was good. Yeah, Bannis did well. Yeah. Very assured. So, you know, we're not really having to talk about him, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's always good if you're talking about the ref, there's something wrong. Yeah, I just found it's very um, very straightforward explanations and it's not going over the top. He let the game run a bit as well, um, mm. so, which I thought was uh, was good on the night. But yeah, <laughs> at least we're not giving out about him. Um, so yeah, Warren Gatland, he's, he's intimated that he wants to stay on. Um, like you said, Chris, I, I personally would like to see a change as well. There's talk of Andy Farrell there as well. Do you think Warren has got the job so many times because no one else wants it or because they genuinely think he's the man to do it? Well, I remember um, for the the New Zealand tour, he would have um, got it on the basis. I think there wasn't an awful lot of people available and that he had done such a good job in that would have been Australia that they kind of felt um, that they kind of needed to give it to him. And then it was obviously under huge pressure in his own backyard in New Zealand. And then he, you know, scrambled the drawn series out of it. So it kind of felt, well, look, you know, if he's fit to lead the Lions with an eight-week build-up in New Zealand, well, maybe he's fit to lead the Lions with an, eight or an even shorter build-up um, to South Africa. So I think he kind of got it on the basis of that. But I would be extremely surprised if he got it now and it'll be interesting to see him he obviously goes back to the chiefs now because he got a leave of absence from them to do the lions now he was in the chiefs in 2000 when the previous year which would have been 2020 and they lost what they lose eight of their 10 games or something yeah. like that so um he's just you know so he has a lot of work to do to get his credibility back in new zealand based on chiefs are actually a very good season this year um, so he's stepping back in there. There'll be a lot of pressure on him to perform. But I think, you know, given given the way the game is going, given the way the game has changed, given the way that he set out his team to play, that's not what Lions fans want to see, to be quite honest. Yes, they want a winning series, but not the way he set up to play the game. Um, so I would like to think that... Whoever they bring in will come in, obviously, with a load of new ideas, with a better view of the game, a more modern view of the game. And um, I would be extremely surprised to see him kept on, to be honest. And not bring half the Welsh team as well. 
I'm not <laughs> what steam Excel. Yeah. Well, boss. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you can tell. I mean, it was quite interesting to see, and I suppose not surprising, but, you know, the Welsh and the Scottish got a really good crack at this tour based on the coaching ticket. Now, I know there were seven English forwards on the pitch at the end of the game, but um, other than that, you know, Wales and Scotland completely, um, you know, they punched above their weight in that tour given their numbers of the players on the pitch. That if you had an Irish, I would have thought if you had an Irish coach or Farrell had been there, you would have seen a much stronger Irish presence. And I'm not bitching about that from from a negative point of view, I think it's just human nature that the coaches know the players so much better. So, you know, they're more comfortable having them in that environment. And, you know, so the Irish players suffered, you know, I think in a numbers and involvement point of view because you didn't have a coach there. So it does show the importance of having having a coach, sorry, having a coach on the on the ticket, you know, so which is interesting in itself, which you can clearly see based on how well the Scots and uh, Welsh got on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it? It's, I suppose it's time to bring the curtain down on the lines, Chris. Uh, not, I mean, on the show now, <laughs> not in general. <laughs> there's still a bit. There's actually a bit of talk about that as well. But I think the lines should stay. Personally, I do think it's a, it's worth its while. Like with the COVID oh, year, this year, last year, everything was crazy, and it was yeah. very hard to get into the lines tour this year. Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, was interviewed and he said he found it really tough. He says he'd normally clear his schedule for it. You know, you'd sit down, yeah. you'd have food ordered, and you'd make a day of it or whatever like that. I was the same, I have to admit, and I love my rugby. Um, it was a tough tour to get into as well, but you can't just scrap it based on that exactly. COVID based sort of just missed everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Next trip is Australia. Um, there'll be massive following people, obviously, who didn't get to South Africa will go. People who wanted to go to Australia. I mean, I've, I've spoken to a couple of guys already who are who are making plans. So, um, you know, I, I, the Lions is is not going anywhere. So, all, all is good. Cool. We'll bring the curtain down on the Lions tour, then, Chris, on the on the show. Um, and we'll look forward to a couple of years' time and we'll see what happens. There's a lot of rugby to be played in between. Um, Chris, just going to move our attention out to the Irish team. Um, the, the, and we're going to talk a little bit later on the podcast just about the new uh, pre-season competition for our local clubs, Kilkenny, Carlo and Tullow. Of course, that's going to come around again as well. Um, but we've had a lot of players used in the Six Nations this year. We had the summer series with two games there. Players tried out with a busy time coming up, basically, is what I'm trying to say. With the World Cup in 2023, that's not that far away in terms of rugby. It's only two seasons or two Six Nations or whatever like that. It's not very long in the grand scheme of things. Andy Farrell's got autumn tests in the US, Las Vegas and Japan. The All Blacks in Argentina are in Dublin this year. Um, there's a three-test tour in New Zealand next summer. There's the Six Nations. It's a busy, busy time. Now is the time that... Andy will have to really start ratcheting up what he's doing to get ready. This is the window. This is the two-year run-in. And four uh, games against New Zealand is, yeah. is pretty, uh, it's pretty intense stuff, isn't it? 
Yeah, look, they've uh, say added to what you you said there already. Uh, they have a three test tour in New Zealand as well. The back end, back end of next season. So yeah, once they've played the All Blacks four times this start, at least this time next year, we'll know an awful lot more about what our World Cup twenty three chances look like. But I absolutely believe um, he will continue to look at players this season um, and give guys opportunities. And I think the Irish public really need to back him and support him in his efforts to try and get a look at as many players as he can leading up to the World Cup. And then, yes, absolutely, then once we get into uh, what will be 2022, that he's looking to nail down what would be his his 30 or 29 that he brings with him to the World Cup. So, But, yeah, look, there's a lot of rugby being played between now and then. It'll be really interesting and... You know, there will be lots of opportunities for guys to put their hand up. And certainly if you want to make a name for yourself, um, you'll get four fantastic opportunities against against the All Blacks. So, yeah, look, that promises to be really, really exciting. Yeah, it's a decent schedule for that purpose, Chris. Um, the autumn tests like um, against America and Japan, uh, sorry, against America and Las Vegas, I'm going to say it's a handy one, but it's a chance to try out those young fellas again. Uh, Japan, not as much, but a little bit. And then you've got the All Blacks in Argentina in Dublin as well. Um, the All Blacks will be, you know, throw the kitchen sink at it. But Argentina, you might be able to try a couple of fellas as well. There's a lot of fellas that need more game time, younger lads, um, to see what they're made of. Um we had bits of signs of it in the summer series and that as well. I have to agree with you. We need to give Andy a bit of a chance. We can sort of start to see towards the end of the Six Nations and in the summer series what he's trying to do um, in terms of uh, plays and what Mike Cat is trying to do as well in terms of attack. Um, and with a lot of decent players in Ireland capable and willing to do all that as well. Um yeah, is it a case to send over the babies to America and uh you know what I no, mean. I think, in terms I think of... he'll try based on the on the two games during the summer there, Japan and America. He will look to blend back in some of his senior pros into those ranks with a view then to having most of them available for the big games against what would be Argentina and the All Blacks in the autumn, and that he would have a good blend then of of both leading into what will be the Six Nations next year. But you would like to think there will be four or five of those guys who played in the America game and the Japan game who will feature um, as part of the plan going forward. And there will be one or two that didn't get a gallop during the summer for whatever reasons, because of injury or just because there's so many guys um, in the, in their position. And we spoke about the likes of Tom Daly and maybe even Scott Penny and you know that guys who didn't get a didn't get a spin. Then you'd like to think that they will maybe get their chance in the autumn against um, in Vegas or at the Japan America games, one of those two games. So yeah, I would expect he will continue to have a look at guys out there, continue to bring guys into the squad to have a look at them, see how they blend into trying to be taking that step up to become an international player so yeah i think it's quite it's a very exciting season and if you're a young young up-and-coming rugby player i think 
the more games there are at international level, the better for their opportunities for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And even if they go to New Zealand and the win one and lose two, there's a lot of learning there for young fellas. Um, by get, I'm not saying we're going to get defeated in all the tests, but there's a lot of learning going to the New Zealand, playing the All Blacks, getting beaten and going, OK, that's where I need to be. That's where we need to be. Um, you know, win or lose, there's a lot to be learned in it as well. Chris, where are we light or where are we, I suppose... Um, not that we're light, with a lot of players in a lot of different positions. Um, and we're, tri- like I said, we're tripping over back rows um, and that sort of stuff. Um, where do we need most assurance? Out half, anyway, definitely. Because Johnny, yeah, Johnny's so going to be around. Is, 10 is the biggest, yeah. would be the biggest concern. And you have a little bit of a concern at nine in that Murray's obviously, he's had a good tour. He hasn't been, you know, he's got on well. But he may or may not be around. And given that he's such a senior part of the team and it's so much a part of what Ireland do that, you know, and I fully accept that there's guys in the wings there. We've Kay Gracie, we've um, Jemison Park, we have, you know, uh, Luke, Luke McGrath, McGrath if you want them. There's yeah. guys there, but I'm not altogether sure um, he's a hundred percent sure who his second, third, and fourth choice are. I mean, McGrath didn't get a gallop, didn't get a look in all summer, and I would have him ahead of Gibson Park, and sure Leinster have him ahead of Gibson Park. So yeah. it is a little bit of a strange one that uh, someone like Luke McGrath isn't really in the picture. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity uh, next season because I actually think. He's possibly the best scrum half in the country at the moment, Luke McGrath. But they're clearly going to have a good look at Casey, and I think he definitely brings something different. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how his game comes on over the next 12, 18 months as well, because you know there's an awful lot expected of him. And yes, he's he's a kind of a, a showboater of a player. You know, he's real special, a little blonde, little buzzing be running around the place you know he you see him and you can see what he does so yeah. but you know he's still a soft add to his game that um you know maybe luke mcgraw already has as part of his game so it'll be interesting to see what they do at nine obviously if caelan blade and a few other guys there who are who are knocking the door so i think nine is definitely somewhere that you'd nearly like i don't want to say you want to get it pinned down but you'd kind of like to have a a better idea who your second and yeah. even third string um, nines are. Um, but yeah, look, obviously 10 is a big concern. Um, really great to see Joey go so well in the second game, um, particularly wasn't it? that was against the USA. Was that the second game? It was, yeah, um, which was great. And then obviously Harry Byrne came on and was really, really assured. So big, big Six months coming up now for Joey. He really needs to stamp his authority on, you know, and pin down that uh, number two position at 10. Um, but, yeah, you look, it'll be really interesting to see what Leinster do, even with Harry Byrne. Will he start ahead uh, of Ross or, you know, what will happen there? So, you know, Leinster have a couple of big calls to make as well. So yeah. uh, it'll be really interesting to see and be interesting then to see how they manage Johnny. Um, who's clearly going to be there for next season. So, But obviously his game management and stuff and obviously the issues with the bangs and stuff. 
the last Six Nations campaign. So yeah, look, interesting to see how that all pans out for sure. Yeah, it's such a such pivotal positions, a ten yeah. and nine, um, as well. Like, you know, look at the amount of eight, seven, sixes. Look at their second row selections. You know, look at the front rows with two international, not two. Well, of course, with two international, but we've got such great front rows and back up front rows and you can switch them in and out and they all have their different strengths um just based yeah, on what you were one of, yeah one of the biggest i was going to say one of the biggest problems leinster are going to have is at, at eight yeah who do you, you have put Doris, you have max deegan who's now coming back from bad injury and jack conan Scott I mean, Penny, if you want him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you have Barr, there were a multitude of issues at seven as well, but with Josh van der Fleer, Will Connors, and and uh, Scott Penny, but, you know, that's only the start of it. But, I mean, you know, you have three serious, serious athletes there at eight, and I don't know how Leo plans to keeping them all happy. That's going to be extremely challenging. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um Based on what you were saying, Chris, as well about Joey Carberry, that just thinking about it, this these autumn tests are really, really going to basically what I'm trying to say is when I think Andy will have a fair good idea of who his pecking order is at out half and scrum half by the time the Six Nations training camp comes around, I think that'll be the plan. Um, you know, because you've got a graded level of games coming up, you've got the US, you know, you've yeah. got the All Blacks, you've got Argentina. Um, and Japan in there as well. You've got nice grading of intensity of games and everything. It's great a complaint to have as well. Um, yeah. So so when the boys rock in to start naming their squad for the Six Nations, like they they should be able to look at it and go right. Joey's the fellow we're putting our fate in here, and Harry's his backup. Johnny's there as well, but yeah, you know Johnny's getting head too many head knocks these days. We're going to leave him in Leinster. That could happen. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely could. Yeah. So well, he's the current Irish captain, so he certainly won't see it that way. But um, yeah, absolutely. So- It'll be interesting to see how that pans out for sure. Um, Chris, we're just going to move on quickly before we finish. Um, Our local rugby is coming back around again. The Leinster League, Towns Cup, all that is coming up in the next couple of months. But uh, there's a new pre-season tournament. Usually the Carlos Kilkenny's and Tullos will play the South East uh, League or Cup uh, before their season starts. It's their, you know, to sort of blow off the cobwebs after the summer. Um, but there's a new uh, pre-season tournament named called the Colin O'Shea Cup and then the Metropolitan Cup as well for junior rugby. So it's four weekends, starts on August 21st, finishes on the 11th, um, and it's a knockout competition. And the finals will be played as a double header in uh, Lansdowne. So for people that aren't familiar, it's the back pitch of the Aviva Stadium, in the shadows of the Aviva Stadium, and there'll be two finals on that day, so they're making a bit of a thing of it uh, as well. I suppose a change is as good as the rest, Chris, in terms of rugby and pre-season tournaments. I know the lads... Uh, I remember talking to, was it uh, James Blanchfield in Kilkenny a few weeks ago? He had said that there was plans for a new preseason tournament. And they liked that idea, something different than a bit of a cup competition. It's a bit of a step up from the southeast, you know. It's just something to sharpen their brains, I suppose, before the league starts. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's a incentive for guys to get out early in the season and, you know, get a bit of preseason under them and then get into the season sort of 
with something behind them and you know if you have silverware in your hip pocket by the end of september you're kind of going well look that's a great start to the season and guys are all in good form i want to turn up the training i want to be there i want to be a part of the system so yeah look i think it's a great opportunity and just the clubs that get get behind it and there's you know there's nice reward for them all there so yeah look i'd be really positive i think it's a great development yeah, it's hard to read too much into it as well. Tolo playing C point uh, first. Um, you know, we're we're all coming in off the back of no rugby for exactly uh, well, for the I mean, last year or more. Yeah, it's a blank canvas for everybody. So great opportunity for everybody as well. I'm sure the lads are enjoying their pre-season at the moment, Chris. <laughs> sure plenty, plenty, plenty of lads hanging over barriers on the side exactly, of the pitch, I'd yeah. say, after yeah. <laughs> running the guts yeah. out of them. And we've all been there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. There's something that will happen during the week anyway. We'll, we'll have a debate or something anyway. Um, but uh, great to talk to you again on, on the knock on the lines. Um, the upcoming Irish internationals and, of course, the start of the local pre-season tournaments uh, as well. That'll keep us going for the next while. Anyway, we've non-stop rugby since we started the podcast, thankfully. Um, something happening every week. We'll talk to you again next week, Chris. Thanks a million. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Trevor. Have a good day. That's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast and scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit the site for more on rugby. And of course, if you're into GAA, we've got the Clash Act podcast, all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.